0: Just a note before the episode starts, there was a weird buzzing sound slash mysterious ticking noise. Just kidding. It was only a buzzing sound. Um, We fixed it partway through the episode, but if you hear some weird buzzing, that is not you. That was us.
1: Cheers. (laughs) So much fun.
0: (laughs) We'll just do it at the same time. Okay. Oh, you have to do that in front of the mic, though. Oh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> that I've <suppose>. okay, Cheers.
0: <laughs> That's totally how you cheers.
1: That so clinky.
0: <laughs> Welcome to Pour Me a Mozart. I'm here with my very best friend Brienne, and we are drinking to Saint-Saens Symphony Number no. Three, the Organ Symphony, and Raspberry Martinis. So, hi everyone hi and hi Brianne hi thank you for being
1: here I'm so excited to have you on my podcast I'm so excited this is my second podcast that I've ever done yes our first one was together of course it was podcast quality yeah. under
0: pressure shout plug out it, plug the the friends podcasts.
1: I have friends who have podcasts now but I know that's what I'm saying I feel like I'm the only person who doesn't have a podcast well, you could you could be on mine always okay okay <laughs> Glad we
0: settled that. (laughs) So Brianna and I have known each other. Wait, we're recording, right? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) This is like take 60 or something, so I just wanted to double check. (laughs) Brianna and I have known each other since like middle school. Yeah. So it's actually harder for me to introduce you than it is to introduce some of my other guests.
1: Harder than your dad?
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, like I've known my dad my whole life, but... Sure. <laughs> Except my parents. Mine is my parents. Um, but, well, I know all of this stuff. But why don't you talk a little bit about your musical background and other musical activities that you did that are non-musical?
1: Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I my musical background started when I was about four years old, and I started taking piano lessons. Um, and I played the piano all through high school. And I still sometimes play the piano. I have a piano in my house that I sometimes play. In middle school, I started playing the alto saxophone. And in high school, I actually switched from the alto sax to the flute. And my mom recently brought over a bunch of my stuff from her house, and one of the things was my flute. So I Yay. like took it out, and I was like, I wonder if I can still play this thing. Turns out I can. <laughs> um, nice. And I, I also was in dance um, from like age three or four.
0: So this is the non-musical musical activity.
1: Non-musical musical activity. Yeah. Um, so there's definitely music involved in dance. Um, I wasn't involved in the making of the music, but I was... <laughs> interpreting the music, I guess, and creating a performance that has to deal with music. Um, so that's my kind of background with music and non-musical music activities.
0: <laughs> and I think dance is a great activity to have as a musician or a music appreciator. Um, I'm taking a class right now um, geared towards teachers teaching young children, and it's it encompasses many things, but one of the things is putting music and movement Mm -hmm. together. I have to be really careful not to say movement every time I say that together. (laughs) Um, But we got this article to read before our next class called Dancers Don't Listen and Musicians Don't Look, I think Mm. is what it was called. But it was like just the different learning styles involved in dance. And it's interesting how much stronger we could all be if we Oh, for sure. Learn those other disciplines that aren't as similar.
1: I definitely noticed in dance, most of the people I was in dance with, there were a few people who like had outside music training, but most people didn't. And they didn't know how to count. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) sometimes we would have issues with like them not being in time with the music because they didn't know how to count music
0: oh yeah (laughs) when we got this article our teacher told us (laughs) this one dance instructor that she worked with said okay now this one's in three and she counted one two three one two three and it's like no that's one two three four the last note just happens to be long
1: yeah um there was a time when I don't even remember what song this was but the song was in three and nobody believed me so they were like no it still has eight counts it's just slower and I was like no <laughs> that's not how I that feel works confused by your logic <laughs> and it just I nobody believed me <laughs> there's nothing I can do
0: it's hard sometimes out there <laughs> um so that's your musical background. And we really bonded being super nerdy about music. Oh, like, yeah. We played flute and piccolo duets yeah. in high school. We also
1: played water glasses, like Miss Congeniality. Oh my gosh, <laughs> yes, I was just
0: thinking about that. We were trying to find good glasses to cheers <laughs> with. Sorry, spoiler alert. We are not cheersing with our actual glasses because they're, they're dangerous. They're dangerous. <laughs> they're dangerous just to drink out of. This is true. And we don't want to be, like, throwing them around. Um, <laughs> Water glasses uh
1: what is your favorite snack Mm, that's a good question I recently asked one of my um, co-workers this question and he didn't have an answer until then he finally (laughs) said cheese and crackers and then he got really embarrassed because he was like that's so basic is that really (laughs) my favorite snack I mean it's a good snack um I mean yeah cheese and crackers are great um I really like chips I love all chips I love a salty snack, so mm. I kind of gravitate towards You're savory salty. kind of person. Well, I am. I do also like sweets, oh, actually. You love cookies. I do love cookies. Um, one of my favorite snacks as of late, I get them at Costco and they are these pretzel crisps, so they're like a pretzel but they're flattened out mm-hmm. and they're dipped in chocolate. Oh. And so it's like the salty and the sweet. Ooh. So it's the best. It's combo. like snack exception. Snack exception.
0: <laughs> um what is your go-to drink? Alcohol? I mean,
1: sure. Um, alcohol
0: and non-alcohol?
1: Well, alcohol, I tend to go for wine and I tend to go for sauv blanc because I'm basic. That's, fine. That's really just <laughs> kind of where I'm comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> I feel um, non-alcoholic. I drink a lot of water, which is also pretty basic, but I'm very hydrated. I drink probably at least a gallon a day.
0: Yeah, I like water, too. It might actually be my favorite drink. Yeah. Like, sometimes just nothing feels better than, like, a refreshing glass of water. water. Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. What do you do to relax? I do a lot of things. I have a lot of hobbies. Um, That's true. Your hobbies, like, <laughs> multiply every year. I just keep getting more and more hobbies. <laughs> um, I read. I read a lot of books. I'm up to, I think, 45 three or 44 books this year okay for the listeners
0: when we did min lee's podcast which was what was that september yeah you were at 30 so yeah this is now december yeah and you've read like 15 more books yeah and i have done like one and a half in yeah. that
1: time <laughs> <laughs> i have a library card and library cards are great I'm gonna go ahead and plug library cards. Plug the library. Yeah, um, they're underutilized and people should utilize them more. They're a wonderful resource. So that's where I get my books. So they're all free. And I didn't even realize how many books I had read until we did Men's Podcast, and I was like, "Wow, I actually have read like a good amount of books for where I'm at in the year." And I just found out there's like this yearly reading challenge where you're supposed to read 52 books in a year, and I'm not one a week. It's one a week, um, which I, I totally could do if I was trying to do that. Um, but then you can do your other hobbies. Um, I probably could. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just, like, there were times when I wasn't reading anything because I just was between books. And sometimes yeah. you have, like, a book hangover where you finish one book and you're not ready to move on to the next book because you're still, like, dealing with all of the emotions from the previous book. And oh, I
0: feel that. Or, like, when it was just so good you're like nothing can yeah like you're just not ready to move on on from that world yet like Mm -hmm.
1: you just kind of want to live there for a minute so yeah um but there's a whole like subreddit related to reading 52 books a year so I might try that next year I think I'll maybe get to 50 for this year so only two books shy of that well (laughs) speed it up man I know (laughs) I didn't count I actually didn't count um Shane's book in like I'm not counting like children's books okay Except for I did read some, like, Harry Potter books, and I counted those, so I don't know. I mean, that's not really a children's book. Well, no, like, the Quidditch Through the Ages oh, and the gotcha. Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, they're, like, little tiny books, but they're not, like, a children's picture book that you read in, like, right. literally less than five minutes. Yeah. Um, so, speaking of Harry Potter, yeah. what is your house? I'm a Ravenclaw, um, mm-hmm. and Gryffindor is a pretty close second, but I'm definitely a Ravenclaw at heart. Mm-hmm. With As you reading. can tell, <laughs> with all the books that I read, just I like, just love that the Ravenclaw common room has like just bookshelves, like so many books, and I'm like, yeah, it's like they have they have like their own library that's just for the Ravenclaws. Nobody else can look at those books.
0: <laughs> yeah, that is actually pretty sweet when you think about it. Yeah. However, Slytherin's common room is under the lake. Which I know. Is which better.
1: <laughs> That sounds nice. I love that the Ravenclaw common room is in a tower because. I just always, I always wanted to live in a Victorian house with a tower and live in the tower room. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. That'd be pretty sweet.
0: <laughs> um,
1: What are you looking forward to in this podcast experience? I am looking forward to learning because I definitely don't listen to very much classical music, um, so I'm excited to learn more and hear how this drink pertains to <laughs> the piece I'm interested to see if I remember how this drink pertains to the piece. I'm sure we'll find ways too as we go
0: yeah yeah um did you listen to it before you know
1: I did I listened okay. to it while um I was doing some knitting so okay which is another one of my hobbies <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> another one of your many yes um all right so let's get into this drink we are drinking
0: a raspberry martini it has raspberry vodka that I did not infuse myself I'm sorry to disappoint and grand marnier which is an orange liqueur a liqueur is ooh, I'm forgetting the word it's basically a more sugary version of an alcohol so you would take like a pure spirit and then distill it down I don't think that's right whatever um distill it down and you get a more sugary version and then you can add flavors and stuff so you've you have added orange to this <laughs> um grand marnier is what you might find instead of triple sec in like mm-hmm. a top shelf margarita got it so triple sec what's is also... the
1: difference between a liqueur and like a schnapps schnapps is a liqueur
0: oh mm-hmm. wow
1: mm-hmm. see i'm learning already
0: yeah but there's like oh my gosh there's a whole world of
1: liqueurs i like, bet i really i mean yeah there's a liqueur for everything
0: there's a liqueur for every. I mean there's a schnapps for everything but there's also like I really want to pair chartreuse with Bach because chartreuse is a liqueur that has I think over 150 ingredients but it was created by monks yeah and Bach wrote a lot for church music so I think that would pair really nicely and uh, there's another story in there too but it's a secret recipe mm-hmm. and um, I shouldn't be talking this much about chartreuse. We're not even drinking. We're not it. even there yet. <laughs> that's a whole other episode. Um, but the story goes that the there are only two monks that know the complete recipe and they're not allowed to travel together in case one of them dies. Mm. Turns out that's a false story.
1: It's a nice story, though. So. It's a nice story. So I choose
0: to just believe that <laughs> yeah, they never travel like, together. It's like Santa Claus. Yeah. <laughs> but there truly are like only two or maybe a handful of people that know the complete recipe that's crazy yeah and the color chartreuse comes from the color that the liqueur yeah is and it continues to age in the bottle i love chartreuse anyway <laughs> <laughs> um that's not what we're drinking it is not in the drink we're drinking Nope. um and you'll see if you take a look at our instagram you'll see on the highlights or the story if you happen to look at it the day this releases um But there's a cute little garnish in there. It's a lemon rip, which you just take like a vegetable peeler and rip off the zest of the lemon. And then you squeeze it with the rind side out to get the essence of lemon in the drink. And then I made a little flag with a raspberry because the drink is actually quite
1: colorless. (laughs) It's It's very pretty now with the garnish. It is very pretty. It's It's like the olive garnish in a traditional martini, but the raspberry lemon. Yeah. Is nice.
0: Oh, and I remember how this connects now. So, <laughs> great. <laughs> so, the traditional martini is actually made with gin, but there are many, many variations on this original martini. It's gin and vermouth, but there's, I mean, there's raspberry martinis, which if you talk to like a bartending or mixology purist, they'll be like, that's not a martini but I choose to call it a martini because I put it in a martini glass and it doesn't have any kind of juice <laughs> so or whatever. So therefore, it. it's a martini. <laughs> yeah, mic drop. Don't drop these mics. Um, so this this piece by Camille Saint-Saëns, um, it's French and my rule for saying his name is the stupider you feel saying it, the closer you probably are to saying it correctly. I think
1: it's Saint-Saëns.
0: Very nice. <laughs> <laughs> um so I was listening to the Ethercast episode about the symphony and um I I mean it's only nine minutes long and I wasn't able not the symphony the the podcast episode and I spaced out for just long enough to like come back in and hear this like calypso music and I was like wait a second (laughs) what just happened um but the melody in the symphony was borrowed um for, for the song If I Had Words by Scott Fitzgerald and Yvonne Keeley, written in 1978.
1: Interesting.
0: It's just, like, I didn't recognize that they were singing the melody from the symphony, just with, like, a do 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 doo doo or however you do calypso. Yeah. P.S., drinking game. Yes. We sing, we drink. We sing, and we drink. We Got sing. it. <laughs> we sing, and we drink. But... They're not the only ones who borrowed this melody. Saint-Saëns actually borrowed it. Also, it's um, inspired by a Renaissance Ave Maria. mm Um, Ave Maria is not only the one that you hear at, like, funerals or mm-hmm. sometimes... Christmas. Christmas? Yeah. Oh,
1: some people ask for it at their wedding, and I get really weirded that out is weird. by that. That is weird. No, it's definitely, I mean, it's on, like, Christmas albums that I have. Hmm. Which I have a lot of. <laughs> <laughs> Another hobby. <laughs> Collecting Christmas music. Um, but, oh, I meant
0: to look this up. But I think Ave Maria is probably some sort of, like, ode to Mary.
1: Yeah. Cool. My fact checker.
0: <laughs> um, so there isn't just one Ave Maria. It's not the one that we all know. Oh, it's not that one? No.
1: Bummer. There are,
0: <laughs> there are many. Um, but... This Ave Maria, that's the original Renaissance Ave Maria, is also borrowed. Um, it's very similar to the Dies Irae, um, that's the Catholic mass chant for the dead that we heard mm. in um, episode one Okay. in Symphony Fantastique. And it was only after that I saw a trailer for The Shining 2 that I realized the. That's in The Shining.
1: Mm. Yes, yeah, and that's got, a drink. We got a drink because you sang.
0: Um, but this is also um, the music from the movie Babe. Mm. Is with a, the pigs, right? With the pigs, yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, <laughs> the The end credits are like totally borrowed from Saint Saens' Third Symphony. Mm. Um, which was really cool. This other podcast played all of these things, and I'm sorry I'm not going to. I already have far too many musical samples.
1: Hey, it's good to love things, so. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Love is good. Better than fear. Um, (laughs) But there was a part in. I want people to fear how much they love (laughs) me. Um, But there's music in Babe that was also borrowed from Symphony Fantastique. Hmm. So whoever wrote that movie, like really had their classical music knowledge yeah in line with mine um (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I just want to I got all of that information and I'll share some more information that I got from the Ethercast podcast episode um but I I thought this was really funny um at the very end they mentioned that they're a spinoff of Ether Games which is a trivia show and this keep in mind this episode came out like just a few months ago in September 2019 And at the end, they were, like, trying to entice people to play their trivia show. And they were like, you could even win a CD. I was just like, wow.
1: um, Who even has a CD
0: player these days? Exactly. Yeah, that's my struggle with my students. (laughs) I want them to listen to the CD that comes with the book. And Mm -hmm. they're like, well, no one in our house has a CD player. And they don't have one in their cars.
1: And computers don't even have, like, a disk drive anymore. So, like, it's baffling well, is it everything's like digital
0: yeah except except for that cd <laughs> well no it's not because um the guy who recorded it has been uh removed from his office at the college It's was called him billiam prusel will prusel <laughs> and <laughs> bill prusel he recorded it and he had some Allegations of misconduct, so uh, I think they took it off of iTunes. So it's like almost impossible for my kids to listen. Got it. Yeah, they need to re-record those anyway. On to a more fun topic. Moving on. Camille saint I did not write down when he was born. Can you look that up for me? Thanks. Um, he was raised by his mother. Yeah. And make his... sure he's at least eighty-five years. No, dead. he is. He's at <laughs> least eighty-five years dead. Um licensing rules that's not just a fun <laughs> my podcast rule <laughs> um he was raised by his mother and great aunt his father passed away at three months old uh when saint sans was three months old yeah, yeah dad was obviously much older than that um saint sans was did he die of like, of like dysentery probably because you know they were on the oregon trail after they were in france right when they <laughs> went back to france um thank you he was born in 1835 um he learned to read by age three like brianne he's a ravenclaw <laughs> he's a true ravenclaw oh my gosh just like brace yourself um oh and this information is coming both from the san diego symphony podcast and um little bits from the Ethercast, also um so he was reading by age three composing at age four reading latin by age seven and nerdy in other ways too like he was really good at math and science and (laughs) those things that don't matter (laughs) yeah (laughs) um he was writing treatises also like treatises on music Hmm. by age seven i can't even read treatises because i just find them dull yeah (laughs) yeah Um, He's definitely a Ravenclaw though Definitely a Ravenclaw I meant to look this up But I'm pretty sure this is true That he has some really beautiful handwriting too Mm. Like we've seen pictures of original manuscripts of composers I always just think
1: anyone from that time period Had beautiful handwriting Not true Beethoven's was
0: (laughs) messed up Was it? Truly messed up (laughs) And I'll do an episode about his third symphony Which was originally dedicated to Napoleon um, but after Napoleon kind of, you know, became a dictator yeah. and took over France, um, Beethoven was like, you're no hero. And he like scratched out the front page. And so like the original manuscript oh. is just a mess. Yeah. And so it's called Eroica after the unnamed hero mm. that used to be Napoleon. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so not, not everyone had really nice handwriting, but St. saens was just very neat and frilly and mm beautiful and you'll hear a little bit of that in his music too i guess that connects to this drink because this is a very frilly frou-frou kind of drink it
1: is but it's also a little bit simple (laughs) like it's it doesn't have a lot of ingredients but yet it comes together quite nicely
0: yes um so saint-sans camille saint-sans oh at the age of seven he got um the score of mozart's don giovanni which fact check I meant to ask you this before we started recording but was that his last composition no no oh his requiem okay um but he started studying that and it was hugely impactful for his orchestral writing career he was originally a piano player but then switched over to the organ because you know what's more difficult than playing the piano playing the piano plus playing the piano with your feet. Yeah. Um, And he was an organ prodigy, which is why this symphony was written for the organ. Mm -hmm. Um, He was very inspired by Mozart and Wagner and many of the other German composers. And at some point I wrote in the note in my notes that he started the National Society of French Music to like kind of inspire Hmm. French nationalism and promote French composers yeah I can't quite remember why that was inspired um but you can listen to the San Diego Symphony podcast and figure that out (laughs) um yeah so unlike a lot of the other pieces that we've listened to so far in this podcast um this symphony was a hit right away people Hmm. loved it and he sent the score out to other orchestras around the world and it's just kind of endured the test of time which is so incredible like composers are hardly ever appreciated in their time um he actually conducted the symphony rather than play the organ part um because it was an homage to Franz Liszt another amazing Hmm. keyboard player back in the day they called them keyboard players not piano players um was it even called a piano at that point it might have been called a pianoforte. Yeah. Which, if you listen to original pianoforte music, it's it's different. The tuning is different. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's very interesting. I had a professor in college who was obsessed with pianoforte <laughs> and music that was written for the pianoforte.
1: It always makes me think of Pride and Prejudice because, so at that point in time like women weren't educated and your only goal was to be married because you couldn't own land or have a job or do anything worthwhile mm-hmm. so <laughs> they would have like every woman had to have talents like playing the pianoforte or reciting or painting yeah. <laughs> and so they always talk about like which of because it's Lizzie and her four sisters And they all have to be married before their father dies, because when their father dies, the house will go to the nearest male relative Mm. because there's no sons. So and they can't own land. And so they have to be like, oh, do you play the piano forte? (laughs) And she's like, not very well.
0: Do you know why it was given that name? no because it could play both loud and soft oh the previous keyboard instruments had one dynamic level oh (laughs) (laughs) yeah and then it was just shortened to the piano for got it simplicity or simplicity yeah Yeah. but actually I was just thinking I've never read Pride and Prejudice Mm. and I was thinking it's kind of along those lines you should give me a list of like classics to read well
1: it Pride and I have a hard time with a lot of classics. I will be honest, okay, um, because I tend to get bored with sometimes like all of the language. There's mm. a lot of words,
0: unnecessary words, unnecessary words. To I be, should say. Flourishy and um,
1: I have tried to read all of Jane Austen's work, and I've read a few of them. Pride and Prejudice was the most palatable for me, but also because I had seen the movie Mm -hmm. the 2005 movie as well as the 1996 ish miniseries with Colin Firth which many people think is like the Pride and Prejudice okay um knowing the story ahead of time made it a little bit more palatable and there's Mm -hmm. been so many like rewritings and modern day retellings like I think Bridget Jones's Jones's diary is based on Pride and Prejudice Mm -hmm. and then more recently there was actually there was uh the Lizzie Bennet diaries which was youtube videos that told like a modern day interesting yeah and they used like twitter and like it was really cool huh. um so just knowing the story going into reading the book made it a little bit easier to understand yeah um, but it's really cool to view that time period through that lens and seeing like i said the things of you didn't really understand what it was like to be a woman in a household where there are no sons and be like, literally like, if my dad dies, we are going to be homeless. Yeah, that's crazy.
0: Yeah. That's so crazy. Anyway, moving <laughs> <Hang> on. <laughs> Should we listen to some same song? Yes. All right. So this is from the first movement and well, we'll just. We'll see what you think after you hear it. after the opening which is quite serene and I'm not sure that you quite catch all of the drama that that really has Mm -hmm. without hearing just the like really placid calm Mm -hmm. beginning but you listened so what did you what did you think when you heard that oh gosh I don't (laughs) (laughs) if you don't remember that's fine the
1: hardest thing is like a lot of times with classical music in our lives it's in the background Mm -hmm. um, with movies and that sort of thing. So even listening to it, like, while I was knitting and doing something else, I did notice that it, like, kind of just moved into the background even though I was, like, truly trying to listen to it. Mm -hmm. But I think it just kind of gives you – it creates feeling – but i don't really remember at the time when i was yeah feeling. i mean that's fair
0: <laughs> yeah so i really like how the the clarinet and the french horn are working together there mm-hmm. and there's um, the clarinet starts the da da-da-da, da 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 and then the horn joins on this resolution which i think is just a really cool um, orchestration technique mm-hmm. so let's move on in this movement where we hear the second theme begin yeah so that's the second theme it's very simple very nice to listen to um let's hear the second theme with the full orchestra too it reminds me actually of swan lake a little bit oh
1: yeah yeah There's some very that.
0: tchaikovsky moments which i meant to double check the dates on this but maybe tchaikovsky was in france when saint sans was writing
1: that that'd be crazy
0: it very well could be <laughs> um i also meant to mention a few of saint sans other compositions that people might know mm. he wrote carnival of the animals this is maybe a lesser known piece but introduction and rondo capriccioso which is a violin solo that's mm-hmm. also just really cool and homework oh, time mm-hmm. some extra listening but he also um in carnival of the animals is the swan which is that doo. <laughs> is that two drinks that was kind of long <laughs> mm, sure i'm gonna have to stop listening to my podcast at some point <laughs> um but yeah you can I I hear a lot of influences from other composers in his music yeah um and it's cool that he's influenced you know movies like Babe and there's another one coming up in the fourth movement that I it's just I love it so much but it influenced something else that's very very near and dear to our hearts um I think I know what you're talking about because I was gonna bring that up (laughs) yeah well I'm excited uh so this next musical sample is the low brass kind of in the background. I I love when the low brass comes to the forefront because usually they're playing the supporting role, but mm-hmm. even when they are meant to be featured, they're still... They just don't quite have that same like piercing quality that yeah. like the high strings do for right. example so it's really cool it's a, it's almost like a secret yeah that the composer Ooh, is like sharing that. with you it's a secret it's a secret so this is uh, a little hint of the Dies e yeah that sounds awesome yeah but it's like your focus is somewhere else and then the low brass are like hey hey yeah (laughs) we are here we are here don't forget about us (laughs) um all right so our our next sample is the first theme again that we heard at the beginning of this movement but with a little bit of a twist So, I like to think of that as backwards. Mm. But when you flip intervals, especially thirds, there's major and minor thirds. And typically people think of major thirds as happy mm-hmm. and minor thirds as sad. Mm-hmm. But when you flip them and play them backwards, like you can play a major third backwards, but mm-hmm. that actually makes you feel the minor feeling.
1: Mm
0: hmm. Mm hmm. <laughs> um, I need to do a theory breakdown episode at some point. And I was thinking about that today. Maybe I can like do a drink theory breakdown too. It'll be terrible, and I apologize in advance. The music theory part will be better. But um, major and minor chords are just stacks of major and minor thirds. Mm -hmm. So in each chord, there is a major third and a minor third. It's just which one do you hear first? And I think that's why when you play them backwards, they give you the opposite feeling of what you would expect. Got it. Yeah. So the first movement kind of finishes with a little bit of a whimper, Mm -hmm. but it goes straight into the second movement, which is where we finally hear the organ, which is, you know, what gives the symphony its name. (laughs) So the organ just sits around for like 10 minutes thinking like, (laughs) I mean, it's beautiful music and you get to hide behind a giant instrument. So like... That's fair. Yeah. So let's hear... The opening of the second symphony movement, second movement of this symphony. to leave you hanging but (laughs) (laughs) that melody just weaves on and on Mm -hmm. forever and the point is for you to listen to this on your own and not for me to have a podcast that's just playing music that would be the radio I mean you could do that there are podcasts that do that I don't understand that concept but that's (laughs) a discussion for another time (laughs) um so that's the organ starting out just by itself and then the strings join in and I think it's like this really beautiful, intimate moment that really sets up the second symphony mm-hmm. movement. Second movement of the symphony. Why do I keep saying that? Um <laughs> <laughs> that's where you say arg. <laughs> arg. <laughs> um so let's listen to the organ again and in my notes i wrote king of instruments in all capital letters because the organ is the king of instruments what i love so much about the symphony is that the organ has been placed with an entire orchestra it's like the organ could probably do most of this on its own but it's cool to have like just the force of both of them together here we go leave you hanging again
1: i know i feel like it just gets to the part where i'm like yes and then it's like oh it's done well, that's because this is the podcast and you can listen
0: on your own um but i love that conversation between the organ mm-hmm. and the strings mm-hmm. and it just i feel like it's really pulling you towards that top note yeah and then it, it falls and it's amazing and there are some more organy moments coming up later like mm-hmm. the third and fourth movements are very loud and rough and exciting and they're actually my favorite two movements so I have fewer musical examples in those but oh wait we are done with the second movement (laughs) (laughs) just kidding JK um so speaking of that different mood let's hear the beginning of the third movement a seat jump moment if you like were (laughs) lullabied into sleep during the second movement yeah for sure (laughs) um i was introduced to this piece by the third and the fourth movements because um the repertory orchestra in minnesota youth symphonies played it on one of the cds that i have and as soon as i heard it it just like grabbed my attention and i was like i need more of this yeah super super cool um so let's go to only a little bit further in the third movement. There's a conversation between the sections of the orchestra and I think this is part of Saint-Saens' true genius and it really shows that he's studied his scores and how instruments can work together and mm-hmm. give different timbre. Mm-hmm. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like a cute little moment between the woodwinds and the strings. Um, And it takes a really good orchestra to do that well because Mm -hmm. the melody isn't in one instrument. This is last night I played um, a Christmas concert in Buffalo. Well, by the time this comes out, this will be like three weeks ago. But (laughs) um, we do a combined Christmas concert with the handbell choir and a voice choir. But the handbells did a few pieces on their own, and it was just so cool to watch, like, how they have to operate. And, like, the people in the back row have, like, four bells and mallets, and sometimes they, like, whap them on the table. Sometimes they ring the bells, or sometimes they, like, hit them and then put them on their shoulders to, like, I don't know. It's just, like, craziness. That
1: makes me think of New Girl when Jess creates a handbell choir with like the Can underprivileged we create kids a yeah. handbell choir? i'm like when i watched that i was like this is something me and asia would have done yes <laughs> oh we need to do that
0: do you want to be in our choir
1: awesome my parents are in yay yay we have four people all right hey podcast listeners do you want to join our handbell choir also who wants to buy us some handbells <laughs> visit we are, our
0: patreon we are page. seeking <laughs> sponsors for our handbells <laughs> not the podcast
1: The handbells. The handbell choir. (laughs) Pour me a Mozart handbell choir. Yeah, rolls right off the tongue.
0: We drink while we... That would be hard. We drink
1: while we play. Your hands are real busy when you play handbells we need camelbacks yeah, <laughs> and then we can just be like <laughs> <laughs> so Do we are make... seeking sponsorship for handbells and camelbacks and you know if what if anyone just can help us out too. or whatever, whatever we're drinking drink. yeah. yeah so we are looking for sponsors <laughs> email us at pour me a mozart handbell choir at gmail.com oh I have to create that now I guess that's a really long. <laughs> sh-
0: oh, the initialization is P mam. P mam handbell choir.
1: P mam But
0: rolls right off the tongue. <laughs> so, back to Saint-Saëns. <laughs> uh we get some ooh, so not only is there an orchestra and an organ, there's also four hands piano or at least that's what I could gather from the score there's at least two pianists I think they might be sharing a piano but this next part we get to hear some woodwind and piano flourishes which I I I I thought they they sound so cool okay
1: (laughs) hashtag adorbs yeah I like that part
0: (laughs) yeah that's like definitely that's like a cute little girl twirling around on her ice skates yeah like a young i keep wanting to say midori but that's not her christy hamaguchi (laughs) (laughs) yeah close totally close
1: (laughs) i should edit that out
0: (laughs) but yeah just like little twirls maybe a couple jumps in there yeah yeah adorbs adorbs okay so the beginning of the fourth movement we get the true organ power brace yourselves Bracing.
1: that be some organ that be some organ
0: <laughs> I was just thinking like every time I listen to this and I listen to a different recording organ organists are so funny they just like they can hold things forever and i think a lot of them started as pianists and what you work on as a piano player is sustaining because piano notes just want to die right away mm-hmm. and i think once they get to the organ they're just like yes <laughs> and they just like hold it for as long as they can accurate but when i <laughs> the most often frequently i work with organists is around christmas time mm-hmm. in like different church gigs right. and like we'll play a hymn and the congregation will sing and the strings will play and the organ will play with us and it's like everyone cuts off like usually the congregation goes first because they're not trained singers and the orchestra cuts off with the conductor but the organist is just over there hanging out and then they're like oh wait no we're done
1: (laughs) someone tell the organist that we are done
0: (laughs) oh my gosh a couple Christmases ago I played this gig Where we had, again, several hymns. And the organ did the introduction for all of them. Oh, that's another thing. They'll, like, put a fermata. They'll hold the last note before the end of the introduction. So everyone's like... (gasps) Yeah. (laughs) I've Uh, definitely heard uh, that. Yeah. (laughs) It happens all the time. But this organist had a different version of the music that was in a different key. No. (laughs) Than what the orchestra had. (laughs) So we, like... And the intro, luckily, was really long. So like I have pretty good pitch memory because yeah. I grew up as a Suzuki kid and I'm hearing this. And I'm like, this is not this. Is... And so I'm like kind of plucking quietly on my violin. And I'm like, Nope, this is a different key. Oh, and no. of course this happened not in rehearsal, but in the actual oh, no. service. <laughs> and so like a bunch of us kind of start looking around at each other. Like this is an E flat. This is not in D. It's an E flat. And we like tried to spread the word like as unsurreptitiously as or as surreptitiously as possible yeah and like the first couple notes sounded really gross i bet but after that it settled in <laughs> <laughs> so thank you organist for really testing our transposition wow. skills <laughs> <laughs> but the organ's so loud like no one probably heard it anyway yeah which is fine
1: Ooh, okay
0: our next moment is the one. Stop like, reading my notes. I can't read your notes okay. from here. Okay, cool. This is the one. This you is, have bad handwriting. I do you not.
1: Have, you have Beethoven handwriting. No,
0: it's like somewhere in between <laughs> Beethoven and Saint-Saens.
1: You said you couldn't see it. Well, I can't read it. I can see it just fine, but I can't. I'm gonna take my notes. I'm <laughs> gonna be over here. <laughs> I don't know where you are. I can't. I can't read any words. Which is... Then how can you tell my handwriting's bad? Because if it was good, I could read it.
0: <laughs> well, let's listen to this next part.
1: That's I close can read and backwards and upside down. <laughs> Okay, that wasn't
0: what I thought it was going to be. Oh, interesting. <laughs> we'll have to see if it pops up later. Yeah. What did that remind you of? That reminded me of the beginning of Beauty and the Beast. Yes! Mm. Okay, so we're totally on the same page. I'm, like, certain that that music oh, was it taken has from to here. Oh, has Yeah. Also, I think um, one of Saint-Saëns' piano concertos inspired um well and also beauty and the beast is french so that would oh make yes sense. but i think one there's a part in one of his piano concertos that i'm pretty sure um inspired duel of the fates from mm. star wars <laughs> probably which is not french at all well no france doesn't really exist in their universe
1: no that's a that's a galaxy far far away <laughs> <laughs> long time ago too yeah which just <laughs> makes me feel like crap because <laughs> <laughs> why because it's a long time ago and they have like Sabers? lightsabers and spaceships and we're just chilling out here on earth
0: <laughs> <laughs> my electric car only works when it's not in minnesota yeah i don't know what i'm talking about i shouldn't do that. i
1: don't have a spaceship we don't, don't have a spaceship either. we don't travel to different planets i mean people do but not us not, like, everybody. Like, it's not just a thing you can do. We don't have, like, little hover cars and, like... Pod racers? Yeah. Those just... Okay, like, I'm already afraid or, of like, driving. droids that can just, like... I don't want pod racers. I mean, we're getting there. We're getting there with, like, the droid aspect. That also scares me. I mean, sure. It doesn't if they're, like, funny and sarcastic, like, C-3PO. <laughs> Well, no. <laughs> because I just love him. <laughs> He's great. <laughs> but also, have you seen iRobot? You know, I haven't seen that. I have. You seen, should watch it. I've seen a lot of horror stories about robots, both like fictionalized and true stories. Like there was a mm-hmm. robot. I don't remember what it was like at a university like program that created this robot, and he said he was going to put humans in a human zoo. But don't worry, we'll take good care of you, and I'll watch you fondly as my creators. (laughs) Like, it was so creepy, and I was like, okay, time to, like, unplug him. Yikes.
0: This is a podcast, so you cannot
1: see my face. (laughs) But yikes. There's also a robot named Sophia, and now she wants a baby. And I'm kind of like, Sophia, like, that's not how that works. (laughs) Sweet baby. (laughs) Um so earlier
0: it sounded a little bit like a fugue was starting. Mm-hmm. I feel like <laughs> that easily could have been it sounded like a bar fight was starting. But... Or
1: a feud.
0: A feud. Oh that's probably where yeah. Thank you for having a good vocabulary. <laughs> um so here is a fugue on a familiar theme. So on and so forth. (laughs) But as I was listening to that, I was thinking, like, wow, like if I played this today, I'd have to like work pretty hard at it. Mm -hmm. But the MyS group, Minnesota Youth Symphonies group that played this was like mainly middle schoolers and early high school. Yeah. Isn't that insane? Yeah. And they crushed it. Wow. Yeah. They did a really good job. Some kids are just
1: amazingly talented.
0: This is true. And also we're so lucky to be in Minnesota where the arts
1: are really valued, which is sad because I feel like even here they're not as much as they should be. Hmm. Why do you think that? well, I mean, even look at our school, which probably had the best music program I mean that we could have asked for mm-hmm. and it definitely didn't get as much funding as it should have that's true I know and art- especially the teachers we had were. Oh yeah. Amazing. Like, uh, fantastic. shout
0: out to Mr. Cushy, Mr. Lean
1: and Mrs. Mrs. Weiland. Yeah. yeah.
0: They were fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I know they worked really hard with the band boosters too to do a lot of stuff. Really I know, but cool there stuff, shouldn't but... have
1: we shouldn't have needed band right. boosters. They should just like give that's us what money. I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> and they it's been proven over and over again that students who partake in the arts have better grades and test scores overall. Mm-hmm. And it teaches you other life skills.
0: Yeah, I read, oh, actually this will be, I took a screenshot of something earlier this week that I wanted to share on here. Um, But I remember like your major in college
1: was organizational communication. Close. (laughs) (laughs) It's communication studies with an emphasis in leadership and organizational communication. Okay, so I got a few words in there. (laughs) Um, But I was a music major and
0: I remember you were constantly doing group project. Oh my gosh, every class, group project. And I remember thinking, like, I don't do group projects ever. I should have been a music major. But that's, <laughs> that's actually not true. There was someone who wrote some, a very long article about how playing chamber music, where like string quartets, Well, yeah, trios, I was going to say, you like, did that, that is, stuff, and that's group projects. And it's not like, I mean, I did a few group projects in college, but I was always the one who was like, all right, I'm assigning you this portion, this portion, this portion, yep. this will be our topic. I will write the intro and the conclusion, and I will make sure that it all flows cohesively, which meant I got like a few ideas from people, mm-hmm. and I basically wrote the whole paper. Yeah, sounds about right. But in a chamber group, you can't do that. Everyone right. has Everyone to has be to equally weight. prepared. Yeah. And if someone isn't, then like it brings the whole group down. Right. You can't you can't cover for people. No. At all. And I was like, huh, trombone player that wrote this article. You have a really good point. It's true. And orchestra is like that too. More so for the winds, because mm-hmm. often there is only one person on a part. And sometimes you play the same thing as the person next to you, but oftentimes you don't and they do have fewer notes to play than like the strings for example right but we can get away with quite a bit more because there's usually like well in a violin section there's at least like 10 of us right so like if I play something out of tune probably mostly everyone else has played that note in tune hopefully and like vice versa (laughs) yeah oh my gosh (laughs) I've seen some orchestra disasters in the violins where like no one was prepared for something and we got a talking to and deserved it but do
1: you remember that band concert where I don't remember it was like I think it was eighth grade with Mr. Cushy mm-hmm. and I don't remember what piece this was but because you were first chair trumpet and you said no none of the other trumpets would count during the rest no that was
0: always my responsibility
1: (laughs) and the song was in three four and like he was like all right trumpets here we go and nobody was ready because you didn't I think he was like what were you guys counting in four four and you were like oh (laughs) but like also you were the only one counting so no, like no one else if anyone lying. else had been like maybe paying attention <laughs> y'all wouldn't have missed
0: your cue okay in my defense and this isn't really a defense this is actually bad I've always struggled
1: with three I mean it's it's a hard number to like I've it gotten better at it it doesn't feel right like mm. four just feels like once I started balanced. thinking about three being circular I got mm, better at it that's a good way of looking at it yeah
0: it's like a, a wheel that just yeah rotates just,
1: yeah yeah that makes more sense
0: yeah that helped me a lot I hope that made sense to anyone listening to this episode <laughs> <laughs> um so we heard the the fugue and we're gonna hear a low brass secret one more time and then there's okay this is our last musical sample and it's the 14th one and that's I think more than I've had from any other piece and there's just so much more that I wish I could have shared from this symphony because it's truly so amazing so I really encourage everyone to to seek it out on YouTube on Spotify iTunes um see if the Minnesota Orchestra is playing it anytime soon I've actually never seen it live Hmm. so that'd be really cool Mm -hmm. but yeah anyway let's hear our our low brass secret moment (laughs) Did that sound familiar? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's very similar to the little Dies Irae taster that we get in, mm. when was that? The first movement. Okay, Call back yeah. to the first movement. Call back. But then the the rest of the brass section kind of joins in in this corral and it just builds and builds and builds. Mm-hmm. Um, what you'll hear when you listen to the entire piece is especially in the third and fourth movements, there's moments like that where the tension just builds and builds and builds. And you think it's going to turn into this like big drama-rama. But Saint-Saëns, with his beautiful handwriting, just (laughs) decides to like diffuse the situation. And he brings a bunch of beauty Mm -hmm. back into it. Mm -hmm. So maybe going back to um, episode six, where we talked about Mazorgsky's Pictures at an Exhibition, where the whole thing was angular and you just kind of like lived in this angular difficult to listen to but really driving music Mm -hmm. like maybe the fact that saint sans knew when to pull it back for the listener yeah um and especially at this time maybe that's why it was so successful where other things weren't necessarily that makes sense but what i also think is interesting is that saint sans is not a well-recognized name Mm mm-hmm but in his time he was successful that's yeah interesting yeah it's like at the beginning of Troy when I don't remember if it's like his goddess mother or someone is like you can go to war and you can live in infamy or you can stay here and be remembered for a few generations and he's like I'm gonna choose to be remembered for forever. (laughs) (laughs) He was a Slytherin. (laughs) Oh, totally (laughs) Slytherin brethren, right there. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that's uh, the Saint-Saens Third Symphony. Any final thoughts, or what did you hear? The part that you. Were thinking
1: of I didn't there oh. was a part and I now I don't remember where it was because I kind of just listened to it all mm-hmm. the way through. It might have been in the third movement, but don't quote me on that. <laughs> but there was a part that was totally reminiscent of like Harry Potter, like the first two oh, movies, yeah, like when they get into the castle and everything's mm-hmm. like, I'm gonna sing. So all right, I'll get <laughs> it's ready. Like, it's like do <laughs> do 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 like yes, that yeah. part, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that might be in the first movement. Maybe. It could have been.
0: <laughs> I don't know. This symphony also, like, with all its abruptness, like, the third and the fourth movements totally run together. I think a lot of times, granted, I've never seen it live. I've only heard it on a recording. But I think the second movement might also run directly into the third movement, mm-hmm. except you go from, like, peaceful and serene to the organ being, like, oh, wait, no, that's the one that goes. But it's it's very different. Yeah so it's kind of jarring so like yeah this whole piece does really just run together Mm -hmm. it's hard to distinguish if you're not
1: right yeah paying super close attention no and I wasn't I would like look at my phone every so often and I was like oh I'm in whatever now (laughs) (laughs)
0: yeah and I mean I'll be honest there's a part in here that reminds me of Star Wars when I hear it Mm. but I couldn't find it for today I know it's in there
1: (laughs) but I couldn't find it I guess you'll have to listen again (laughs) oh
0: darn (laughs) no I love listening to this piece actually when I got here I was listening to it and it got to like one of the big loud brassy moments and I was like I don't want to get out of my
1: car yet
0: (laughs) but I did because I wanted to see you guys
1: well that's great
0: (laughs) (laughs) well it's great to see you too (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much for being a guest on
1: my podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah. It's been grand.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It was a delight having you and thank you to my mom and my dad for being here and listening and helping with the, the sound and fact checking and all that stuff. So, um, this is the last episode of 2019. Woohoo! Woohoo! We'll have more for you in 2020. This is the last
1: episode of this decade. <gasps> You're right. This is kind of a big deal. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: in episode nine, we have a big deal. <laughs> Wait. Yeah, episode nine. You know what else is episode nine? What? Star Wars.
0: <gasps> oh, my gosh. This will come out. Oh, wait. I don't remember which Friday.
1: No, this will come out after we've seen Star Wars. Well, I'm just saying that's also the end of something. It's the end of an era. It is. Oh, but
0: OK. In 2019, 2020, that's next year. <laughs> <laughs> um, so on the last episode, I was talking with Hannah Palmquist about the WC trio for flute, harp, and viola, and the recital we will be performing on January fifth, fifth. Um, Hannah and I will be performing the Saint-Saens Fantasy for violin and harp. Oh, which is also just another very beautiful piece yeah. on that same recital. Very nice. So the second half will be Saint-Saëns and WC. Mm. So, yeah. It sounds like a good combination. Oh, yeah. The first half is a lot of fun stuff, too. Beethoven, um, trio, oh, serenade. Serenade for flute, violin, and viola. And um, another serenade for the same instrumentation by Max Roger, who... Mm. I got to look up soon because I need to write some program notes, but I I am really not familiar with him. So, yeah, it'll be a great concert. Where? It is at the Schmidt Artist Lofts, at 900 West 7th Street, St. Paul, Minnesota. Um, it's right across from Keg and Case. The recital is at, I think, 1 o'clock. I should know this stuff. Nope, I don't have the time in my calendar, guys. I just have the times that the rooms are reserved. (laughs) But anyway, I think it's at one o'clock. You can visit TwinCitySymphony.org and find more information. Tickets are twenty dollars. Oh, there's a discount code. Do you want the discount code? If you listen to this podcast, you can get five dollars off your ticket if you add the promo code WC five. Uh, That's D-E-B-U-S-S-Y, the number five. Not spelled out. Um, I wrote it with a capital D. I don't know if that makes a difference. I should have checked. But anyway, now you know. You have all the info.
1: (laughs) Yay. Yay,
0: info. (laughs) Um, So thanks again, Brianne, for being here. Um, And thank you to all the listeners for listening. Shout out to the Republic of Korea, the one listener over there um yeah it's really cool I looked at the map the other day on my stats and there's people listening from all over the world which is cool and also scary (laughs) (laughs) I hope I'm doing justice to the pieces that you've probably looked up and I love um if you have any feedback please email us at twincitysymphony at gmail.com or you can leave a five-star review if you just really loved everything that you heard. Um, let's see what else. Oh, follow us on Instagram at Poor Me Mozart. Facebook at Poor Me and Mozart. And we are on Patreon. I think if you go to patreon.com slash Mozart, you can find our page. I have tried searching it and it just says there's nothing there but I promise you we have a Patreon page and we would love money so please go there we would love sponsorship we would love sponsorship and um, if you want specifically to sponsor the handbell choir I'm sure you can write that somewhere in your donation (laughs) (laughs) Um, oh website twincitysymphony.org slash pour me a Mozart so that's all until 2020 see you next year cheers (laughs) (laughs) side <laughs> <Thud. laughs>